Alleji with the Golf Insiders. It was a big win in the Big Easy at the Zurich Classic on Sunday. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele going wire to wire to win at the TPC Louisiana. And to break it down, as well as uh, all the other breaking news this week in golf, we've had a bunch. It's Bob Herrick from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Big win for Patrick and Xander. I would say they were probably the favorites going in. But, uh, boy, they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah, they were the favorites given that, um, you know, they've played that that format together in the uh, President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. So I, I think that gave them a, a nice advantage. Um, you know, they've, they've dealt with alternate shot and all the, all the things that go with that. So uh, good for them. And, you know, they both needed it. Uh, probably Xander more than Patrick. You know, Patrick's lost in two playoffs this year, which, including the week before. Right. To, uh, to Jordan Spieth. And... You know, Xander hasn't won, had not won since the beginning of 2019, which was at the um, at the uh, century at the at the Tournament of Champions, Champions Kapalua. Right? Yes. So, like, he went all of 19, you know, all of the pandemic 20 year, and all of last year. Obviously, he won at the Olympics last year, which was huge, but it wasn't a tour win. And so, I, you know, I think he was, uh, you know, getting a little edgy. Yeah, that's a little and, bit of a drought. Yeah, so, but, you know, I know it's a team event, but it goes down as a win. A win's a win. Um, I was pointing out to somebody, you know, somebody was, was getting um, a, a little uh, sort of bent that Jay Haas has the record now for the oldest player to, to make a cut at age 68. He surpassed Sam Snead at 67. And actually, you know, Snead at 67 made three cuts that year Incredible. at age 67. I think it was 1979, and one of them was the PGA Championship. But Snead has, I believe, five of Snead's 82 wins were team events. They were a lot more prominent back then. And he also had, like, um, like three or four that were 36 holes. One was only 18. You know, like, that wouldn't count today. So... I'm not going to hold this against those guys that it was a team event. You know, they took advantage of it. Good for them. They sure did. And and there were some fr- pretty formidable teams. Of course, the defending champs, uh, Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, the Aussies, and uh, local favorite and LSU grad Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. We know Billy Horschel just eats up these team events. He loves it. And uh, they came within one after burning the 8th, 10th, and 11th holes. You know, unfortunately, Burns' tee shot found the water on 16. And then they had a bogey, I think, on the par 3 17th. But hard to catch up in that alternate shot, especially after uh, that record-setting round on Saturday by Cantley and Shoffley. Yeah, and that makes me wonder if they ought to tweak the format. I'm not sure what's best, to be honest. Um on Sunday, it makes it hard to make a move when you're playing alternate shot. Agree. You know? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, when you're playing best ball, it's hard to back up. You know? So, it's it's I don't know what the right way to do it is. Because, like, if, if you want there to be some drama, you kind of need both. You kind of need the ability for somebody to back up and catch up. And there's probably more of that, I suppose, in, in alternate shot. 
you know, like you just said, those guys made three birdies in the stretch there. They got hot. And, you know, uh, what Xander and Cantlay, they, they just played steady. You know, they, they, what, they shot 72. So, um, in, in a way, I guess that's sort of backing up. It's not really going forward. Whereas in best ball, it's pretty rare that you're going to make a bogey. Uh, when, when when two pros are playing. I mean, there's some, but very few. So I'm not sure what they could do to create a little bit more. I've often wondered if they might consider having one day of a scramble, a two-man scramble, um, or even like one day of a, what do they call it, a Texas scramble, or how about a worse ball scramble? <laughs> you, know, you know, like you, hit, you both hit a tee shot and the worst one you play. And and then you maybe then then maybe you play from there. There's some you pressure, play, you know. And I don't know if you would do it like there's. I, I've heard of them where you where you do a worse ball, where you do it on every shot. I'm not sure you'd want to do that, but I think a worse ball tee shot would be kind of cool, you know. So anyway, I just you know I I I like the fact that they've done this, but I'm I'm not sure that it's it's resonating as much as it should. So. Um, I don't know. Hopefully they'll think about it, and, and, and I commend them for doing it because it's it's a good time of year to try something different, and I think people kind of enjoy it. I uh, agree. Just love the love the team events. And if, for anybody who's played an alternate shot, there's so much pressure, Bob, and we know these guys feel it. They don't want to let their partners down. Exactly. And, uh, and, and you know, they're – they're conscious of the fact that they don't want to put their partner in a bad spot. And I think that leads to, you know, maybe not quite swinging as freely. You know, that's why it's it's a little bit harder. And, and also, let's be honest, um, you, you, you go long stretches without hitting certain shots, an alternate shot. You know, you might not have hit a chip shot for nine holes. Um, you might not have a nervy putt for several holes. You know, like if, if you're hitting it on the green and your partner's lagging it up there and you're just tapping it in and this ends up happening three or four or five holes in a row, all of a sudden you have a six-footer. Um, somebody suggested it would be kind of cool if they, if they played straight, true alternate shot where you didn't alternate the tee shots. So whoever holes out, the next guy tees off. Oh, I like that. I mean, so that means that you could go long stretches without teeing off. I mean, in the format they use, you know you're going to tee off on every other hole. But, I mean, the way it works out with who holes out, you know, could, could really impact how many tee shots you hit, how many mid-irons or, you know, approach shots you hit. You know, might be, that might be one way they look at doing the final round. That, that might make it a little bit more interesting also. You might see a lot more chip shots being pulled out to avoid having to hit that putt, Bob, to, uh, <laughs> to switch up the lineup. It, it does become a, a bit of a strategy. No doubt it does. And uh, I don't know. I just, I just I wish we could see a little bit more of alternate shot. I think it's, uh, it's a great format, especially for really good players, you know, because it, it does. It puts them under some strain. Well, speaking of strategy... Steve Loy, Phil Mickelson's agent, announcing on Monday that Phil has officially registered for the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, as well as 
asking for a release for the Live Golf event, the Saudi-backed event happening June 9th through the 11th in London. Break this down for us, Bob. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting how the news has been played. Um, There's been more attention to him signing up for the Live event and asking for a release than there really has been that he entered the PGA. You know, and it's and not I a given. You I, just you just don't show up for the PGA Championship, yeah. even when you're champion. Right. You have to you have to enter it. You know, but there we wondered if he was going to or not. He has at least he's entered. Same with Tiger. You know that that those are those were formalities. But my guess is the reason that they put out the live golf thing is they knew it would leak. You know, be, because because and, and and my understanding was is they had not yet even applied. I wrote a story the other day in which um, I had that they had 15 of the top 100 that had registered for live, the Live Golf event outside of London. I was told after the fact that Phil was not one of them at the time. So when that announcement came out later Monday, that was news to them. And so <clears throat> what happened was is Phil, they waited until the deadline to request the release and they then decided to make it public because they knew that it would get out. You know, the tour was probably, somebody at the tour was going to probably let it out because they know that Phil was possibly going to take a beating over it, you know. And uh, so, and in any case, the take idea it, Take that a beating in what way, Bob? Well, because because he's, he's, um, he's, he's not turned his back on that. You know, uh, the fact that he's willing to go play even one of their events suggests that he's... I mean, if you were going to be completely on board with the PGA Tour, you wouldn't play in any of these, even though you're not committing to the league. Like, you, I don't think you'll see Rory play any of them or, you know, John Rahm or, you know, the guys who profess their allegiance to the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, Tiger, certainly. Uh and I thought if, if Phil was going to make a total, you know, act of contrition, I'm going back to the PGA Tour, I'm sorry, he wouldn't play in any of these. Um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to. It's one event. It's, a, it's an overseas event. If it were a European Tour event, the guys would be given an exemption, you know, for a one-off. So it's not a European Tour event. They have to ask for a release. They should probably be given the release. The, the, the interesting thing will be is when they play in Portland right. over Fourth of July weekend. That's the first domestic event, and the tour has never granted releases for domestic events. And they said so it's what, in their bylaws that they can't. Yeah, I mean, and look, that's their rules, and and my guess is, is somebody's going to challenge it. Somebody's going to ask for the release. They're going to get denied, and then is that the line in the sand? Yeah, that's the line in the sand. And then, does the player just go play? What happens then? Can He He can certainly be fined. He could possibly be suspended. But can he be banned? See, that's where I find this whole thing to be, you know, really, really sketchy. Because the whole banning thing is, um, I think, problematic. I think, I think... Finding them or suspending them is is uh, within their bounds. Those are their rules, you know. And the Norman people seem to think that 
that they have some lawyers on their side who believe that the idea of of not getting permission to play in any event is against the law. Uh, but obviously, the tour has been able to do this for over 50 years. So it's I have no idea what the what the outcome will be on that. But but the but the domestic events are the ones where it becomes an issue. And you know the one they just announced for Doral at the end of October. Um, you know we don't know right now what uh, uh, I, I, that that might be the Japan Zozo Week. It could be the HSBC China Week uh, on the tour. So they haven't announced that part yet. So what would happen if you're not eligible for those events? Like, are you then allowed to go play in this? Because there'd be nothing else. That would be another thing. You know, I could see where they're not going to let them go play uh, in it because obviously it's a domestic event and it's opposite one of theirs, even though they're half the world away. Uh, but what if you're not? This is this is the other interesting thing. You know, Garrigus was the name that came out about having been the first one, or at least the first one that got out that asked for release. He's not a named guy. He's like not even the top 1,000 in the world, but he still has to ask for release. And in a weird sort of way, that actually helps them make their point because he probably wasn't going to get in Canada anyway. You know, like why would he need permission? You're going to keep him from playing? That's why I don't think they would. You know, there is a there is a media part of that release too. You're actually <clears throat> for an event that's going to be televised or or streamed or whatever. There's 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 not just the permission to play in the event, but that you also have to get permission to be used on TV. Like the tour owns your media rights. Interesting. And so that's where the Corn Ferry Tour players come in. They don't need a release so much, but they have to get, they have to be given permission for their media rights. Now, you know, listen, I'm I have no problem with the PGA Tour fighting for to, to hold its ground. I get it. It's you know you, you you have rules for a reason. Your sponsors don't exist if you can't guarantee them that you're you're going to have you know a a suitable field. Uh, but like, if you're a corn fairy tour player and those events are not on TV and you can go make this kind of money and they're going to tell you no, that's, that's where I think it gets really interesting, you know, and I'm not saying they will say no, maybe they won't, but there's clearly got to be some of those guys too, who, who might be in that field. Well, one of the things Norman has said recently was that their tact was to go after quote career journeymen. And I think the strategy being that, you know, the other guys, once they start to see some of these guys earning these big paychecks, you know, four million bucks or whatever they're going to be, you know, for winning one of these events, that's going to get their attention. What do you think? Absolutely. No, no, no doubt about it. That was not only that, but it was the reason why. The, he did the thing with inviting some top amateurs, you know, because they're going to get these name, image, likeness deals, you know, to re- and they can remain an amateur, so they'll get something. They'll be getting a little bit of cash in their pocket. But if they decide to turn pro and, and decide to turn pro this summer and they play in these events, well, they have no allegiance to the PGA Tour. They're not members of the PGA Tour. And think about it. If you're one of those guys and, you know, you go play eight events over there and 
the minimum you're going to get is, I believe, 120000 So you're, at the very least, you're going to make, what, $900,000? That's if you finish last every single week. You're going to clearly not always finish last. You know, and then and that's actually, um, in fact, you, the last event, I'm not even counting that the team event is the, the least you can make at that is 250. So actually my numbers are off. You're, you're going to make a minimum of over a million dollars if you played every event. So if you're a kid coming out of college, what do you, what do you want to do? You go over there, you, and it's not even over there. Five of the events are here. Um, you play eight times. You make a minimum of a million plus, probably more like two million. You get some money in the bank, and then maybe next year you try to qualify for the tour. Because remember, the path to the PGA Tour is like really narrow. There's no direct path to get on the PGA Tour unless you can make enough points in seven events, sponsor exemptions, which is, you know, Tiger did it. Um, not too many guys do that. Ricky Fowler didn't even do that. Right. You know, when he when he turned pro, he narrowly missed it. He had to go to Q school, and he made it. Back then, though, there was a Q school for the tour. Now the Q school is to go to the Corn Ferry. So you have to make it through Corn Ferry Q school, which is no guarantee. If you get out there, you're playing for next to nothing. And then you got to perform just to get on the PGA Tour and have to be part of the reshuffle and all that. I mean, it's kind of a two-year process to become, you know, to get on the PGA Tour. Unless you, unless you, you know, hit it big and have a couple of big weeks and, and, and make those points. So my long-winded point here is, is why not go over there and make some money? You could even do that for two years. You could probably make about $3 million over two years. You, those, the eight events this year, ten next year. You could play mini-tour events to keep sharp when you're not playing in those tournaments. And you'd have some money. And then... And now, and now you've got a way to fund yourself to the PGA Tour. If, if you did anything over there, you, you have a chance, we're being told, you know, there, these events are sanctioned by the Asian Tour, so there should be world ranking points. You know, you have a chance to climb in the world rankings, and maybe you get in some bigger events through that. So, you know, it's, they're, they're, they were being ridiculed for, what they, for that and, and for some of this, but... You got to remember, and, and look, it might ultimately fall flat and be a dud and whatever. It's very possible, but they're they're playing the long game. You know, they have the resources to take their time, and uh, so. Uh, and we uh, know we'll there's it's fascinating, frankly. There's a lot. We know we know the depth. We know the depth just of the PGA Tour. We know the depth has more and more of these developmental tours have grown and expanded as well as golf around the globe so to say that there's just this one pathway the pga tour you can see you know the argument for there needs to be more tournaments yeah, for these I mean, golfers you know, it's, and is and is the answer to cram in more events on the pga tour you know, for more opportunities. I mean, that's always been their way of approaching it. This is this week is an example. It's yes. this week, three, three weeks after the Masters is typically a tough week. The Mexico you know, like Open. You, yeah, now and now they're in, you know now they're in Mexico. The downgraded Mexico yeah, Open because it was a yeah. WGC event. Right, and it's now at a new venue, so it's not even where they're used to going in Mexico City. 
and it's a full field. So that means it's not a guaranteed payday. It's it's like there's a cut, 144 players. I thought they might treat this like they do the Zozo and the CJ Cup, where it's a limited field with no cut. Um, but they're not doing it that way. It's a regular event. You know, it's got a big purse, but you know, it's look going going to what? It's Puerto Vallarta, I believe. You know, yes. that's not a that's that's it's not really that close from anywhere. And uh, so, and, and, you know, especially you go New Orleans to there, and then next week is D.C. for the Wells Fargo. Um, so it's, it's, they've, got, they've got probably the worst field of the year. And, and so, you know, when you say playing opportunities, there's plenty of playing opportunities uh, on the PJ Tour, but there aren't necessarily the opportunities to make a lot of money. And it, unless you're, you know, obviously a star, and that's where this other thing's appealing, and and it also brings up the question: Does does the tour have the right to have a monopoly on pro on high level pro golf in the U.S.? The counter to that is, is there's never really been a rival league that has that has sustained itself. You know, like if you go all the way back with football, the AFL was a very very they they had a um, they, they were very successful, and they but they went to markets that didn't have the NFL, and that was also before the proliferation of TV. When you know to be able to see football, you you kind of had to go. You know there wasn't there was you know maybe your local team was on TV. There just wasn't a lot of you know blanket coverage like we have now, and they eventually merged with with the with the NFL. You know, it took eight or ten years, and they merged. There was an ABA in basketball. They merged with the NBA. Uh, they, believe it or not, there was a rival hockey league way back. Um, and, and they never last on their own because it's just too competitive. Uh, the USFL tried to merge with the NFL, and it, and it ended up going out of business. Now there's the spring USFL right now, which really doesn't count. You know, it's ones that are trying to play at the same time. And uh, so anyway, you know, it, the idea of a rival to the PGA Tour, I mean, I'm not sure why the tour feels all that threatened other than the fact that there's so much money being offered. Yeah, of course, there's going to be guys who take a look at it. And the media landscape has changed, right, with streaming and so many more channels out there, which right. does mix things up and uh, creates more opportunities there as well so uh this is this continues to develop and uh i know uh you're you're right on top of it at every twist and turn uh some other news dj and pauline gretzky finally tying the knot in tennessee over the weekend were were you there bob (laughs) no invite for me <laughs> um, it looked like a just a beautiful venue, um, and uh, was you know did, did we know about this? Uh, yeah, any secret sort of. uh, any secret smoke signals? Yeah, I think sort of we might have known. I mean, I wasn't able to find anything on the Target registry to send a gift or anything like that. I'm just not <laughs> kind of surprised, but um, yeah, yeah, hey. Good for them, right? Good for Good them. them. Been together since 2013. Two children, um, seven and what's the youngest? Four, maybe. Uh, yeah, how about that? Yeah. I, I- incredible. Uh, Bryson had wrist surgery. Seen hitting one-handed. Hello. 
Yeah, I, you know, it sounds like he'll he'll be lucky to be back for the U.S. Open. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, look, I'm glad he took care of it. It's a shame he just didn't do that when he before the Masters. You know, um, and he, he, you know, he played those three events. He came back. It was clear he wasn't right, and he, he probably needed to to uh, to get that fixed. Because what he did was obviously cost himself a month, and he didn't play very well during that time. You know, what he shot 80 in the second round, I think, at Augusta. Um, clearly, wasn't fit to be playing, and and he could have had it done and and been that much closer. So. Um, you know, I'm sure he's chomping to get out there and one-handed shots. I'm not sure it does him a whole lot of good, you know. But uh, it's Bryson. Uh, what, what can you we know, say? When when you, when you when you have a hand, there's not a whole lot else he can do. I mean, I guess he can do cardio, he can do legs and stuff, but he can't be lifting weights. You know, he can't. You know, there's there's no part of the game you can really practice. So, uh, uh, you know, it's. Um, you know, it's it's looking to be like a lost year for him, and that's um, I'm not sure we saw that coming. Well, perhaps we might have when he participated in the long drive contest. Maybe he's got to rethink some of those things um, in terms of you know how you protect uh, protect your bread and butter, as we say. And speaking yeah. of bread and butter. <laughs> Yes, the book, your book, uh, Tiger and Phil, Gosmore's Fascinating Rivalry, released on Tuesday, Bob. Uh, now people can go and purchase it. It is out. It's doing great review-wise. It's doing great in terms of sales. Top of the list on Amazon. Congratulations. And uh, I know it's a busy week for you and really appreciate you spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks. It's exciting. I appreciate it. And if they want to go purchase, just go to Amazon.com. And before we wrap it up, who's your pick for the Mexico Open, Bob? I'm really going out on a limb with John Rahm. <laughs> you know, I saw where his odds are like what they're – some places were 350, which means it's basically like three and a half to one. You never see him that low. That's like tiger-like. You know, back in the day, you know, three to one, who puts money on somebody in a golf tournament with, with that low odds? You know, I saw somewhere else where it was 450. So, you know, he's the overwhelming favorite. But let's be honest, it's a golf course he doesn't know, nobody knows. And we all also know that just because the field is weaker doesn't mean there aren't a lot of great players who can win. So, uh, I mean, look, it's kind of a cop-out to take them, but it's just so hard to know and, and this, this week. Uh, you know, there's there's no trends you can go off of. And uh, uh, so. And like you and, said and, you earlier know. about Shoffley and Cantley, a win is a win, and that could be great momentum for Rom going into the PGA Championship. Exactly. And I think, you know, he wants to get a win. It's been since the U.S. Open. It's kind of surprising. It sure is. Well, as always, Bob, we appreciate your time. Bob com and author of Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Pick up your copy today. We love you, Bob. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Be well.